0: Thanks for joining us for this week's Weekend Message Podcast at Lakeside Church. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to this podcast channel as well as our new Lakeside Life podcast channel that will feature podcasts outside of the weekend messages. You can also check out lakesidechurch.com for ways to get connected, find more information on upcoming events, as well as how to give and support the mission of Lakeside. Enjoy this week's message, and thanks again for joining us. Merry Christmas. How are we doing? You guys good? Everyone's happy? Hey, I just want to ask you, show of hands, who here watched a Christmas movie this year? Anybody? Hopefully everybody. All right, cool. Put your hands down. Hey, before we get going with the talk, I wanted to do like an unofficial survey of favorite Christmas movies, okay? So I want you right now to think of your favorite Christmas movie. You got it? You guys know? Okay, so how this is this going to work? I'm going to put a picture on the screen of different movies, and when you see the movie that's your favorite, feel free to, like, raise your hand, cheer. If you really like it, you can stand up or, you know, whatever you got to do. So you guys ready? Okay, so here's the first one. Yeah. People like Elf. Elf's good. Elf's a good one. All right, here's another one. Any Grinch fans? And I'm talking, like, all Grinch, like, 2000, Jim Carrey, Grinch. Did everybody see this movie? Pretty good, Grinch. Uh, Next one. Love this one. It's uh, one of my close, close to my favorite. Pretty good one. And then next one, Polar Express. Yeah, okay. And then uh, this is my second favorite, this one right here. Right? Pretty great. Pretty great. Okay, and this next one, it's a little controversial, but according to the internet and my brother-in-law, this is a Christmas movie, so. Everybody likes this one. This is like, all the gatherings, this is the one. Die Hard, man, I need to watch it again. Okay, so I wanna share with you guys my favorite Christmas movie. Like, we watch this every year. It was actually the first movie I remember seeing in the theaters as a kid, and it is none other than Home Alone, right? Who here is with me? Who likes this movie? It's great. It's great. I love it. I mean, the, the starting premise is the kid gets forgotten about by his parents. His parents leave, and they leave him at home. And you think that would be, for a, for a kid, would be a pretty scary situation. But instead of, like, shrinking back, uh, he thrives. I mean, he's eating all-you-can-eat ice cream. He's ordering pizza. He's going to the grocery store. He gets wind that there are these two burglar buffoons that are kind of like ransacking the neighborhood and want to break into his house. And so armed with his older brother's BB gun, he devises a plan to protect his house. And by the end of the movie, he literally saves the neighborhood from the wet bandits. You guys remember? It's great. It's a great movie. I love it. Watch it every year. I tell you guys that because the story we're going to look at today I think has a lot to do with, um, with Home Alone. And um, much like Kevin McAllister, Jesus had his own home alone moment. You know, in the Bible, one of the things that's kind of always bothered me about the Jesus story is we just don't get much about Jesus' childhood. Like, not much is told to us. We have his birth story, and then we see him as a 30-year-old man starting his ministry. We're not really told very much about his childhood. However, we get one story. And I call this the Jesus Home Alone story, and there's no burglars, there's no BB guns, but the start of the story is his parents forget about him. They leave him behind. And they leave him behind at the time of the year. The Jews, they didn't celebrate Christmas, but they left him behind at probably the most important holiday on the Jewish calendar, Passover. And Passover for a Jew is sort of like our Christmas Easter, and, and I don't know, maybe the Super Bowl rolled into one. I mean, it was like the holiday on the calendar, and they forget about them. And so the story we're going to look at today, it's found in Luke chapter 2, verse 41 is where we pick up. So if you guys have your smartphones, uh, you can go to the Uversion app and actually click on the event, and I have some notes in there you can follow along. Or if you have your old school Bible, feel free to, to turn there. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse uh, 41. And this is how the story goes. It says that Mary and Joseph, every year, they, um, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of Passover. And they would bring their whole family with them. And when I used to read this, I used to think, well, yeah, it's you know, Mary and Joseph and Jesus. And they would kind of go by themselves up to Jerusalem. But it wasn't like that. In fact, everybody would go to Jerusalem during Passover. That means Mary, Joseph, and really the whole town of Nazareth would get together, gather, and head on up the capital city for the Passover. And this wasn't just every year. This wasn't just any year. The storyteller tells us it's when Jesus was 12 years old that they went up to the festival according to the customs. It wasn't just any year. Where's my 12 year olds in the room? Any 12 year olds here? It's okay. No one. Wait, I know there's a 12 year old out here, where? Yes, right there. Awesome, glad you're with us. Okay. So here's the deal. In the Jewish culture back then, uh, similar to our culture today, being 12 years old was a very important time in a young person's life. Because as a 12-year-old, you were really at the doorstep of entering in to the adult world. Because when a young person turned 13, they were welcomed in as a full-fledged adult, a member of society. They would join the workforce. They would be responsible for their actions. It was a lot like a A teenager clicking over from 17 to 18. You know how that goes when you turn 18, right? Your parents say, you better get a job. You're going to move out soon, stuff like that, right? It's a big deal. You're becoming an adult. And so it was this year, when Jesus was 12 years old, that he goes up to the festival. And this is what happens. It says, after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem but they were unaware of it thinking he was in their company they traveled on for a day then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends and when they did not find him they went back to jerusalem to look for him in my mind's eye as i as i think about this story you know you spent this time in jerusalem the passover the feast this huge party and you're heading back you get a days Journey away from the city, and you look for your son, and he's not there. I just I imagine it going something like this. Who's this? It's Megan? Not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's (laughs) not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. What? Come on! Let's just say it was not a relaxing donkey ride back to Jerusalem, right? I mean, you gotta think, Mary and Joseph, as they're going back to town, are just working out in their head, worst case scenario. Like, did he have a coat? Did he have any food with him? Where'd he sleep last night? Like, just did he get kidnapped? I mean, I don't know, I'm not even gonna ask, but if you've ever misplaced a child for any period of time, you know that fear, right? And they had a whole day's journey back to Jerusalem with that kind of what if. They get back to the city, And the Bible says that for three days, they uh, were looking around the town for him. That's a long time to not know where your son is. It's a long time. Mary and Joseph, more than likely not sleeping, frantic, searching, retracing their steps. Did we go to that market? Where did we stay? Like trying to find where is my son? And after three days, they find Jesus in the most unexpected place. They find him in the temple courts. And he's not in the temple courts sleeping. He's not in the temple courts panhandling or just hanging out. He's actually in the temple courts. And what is he doing? He is sitting among the teachers. He's listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished what is this? What does this mean? We've just been on the three-day frantic search for our son, and what do we find him? He's in the temple, engaged in theological debates with the academics of the time, and everybody is astonished by our 12-year-old. What does this mean? No doubt, Mary was a little, little frustrated. She comes up to him and says, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Has your parent ever said that to you? Your mother and I are very upset or Mary concerned, or your father and I. Whenever like parents sort of bring the like we thing together, you guys know what I'm talking about? It seems like there's an extra bit of wallop behind what they're about to say. And Mary says, how could you have treated your father and I like this? Because, again, he's 12 years old, man. He's, it's like, Jesus, we are trying to get you ready for adulthood. This next year, you are a full-fledged member of society. You've got to join the workforce. You're an adult. You need to stay close to us. This is a year of mentoring. This is a year where you'd be near us. We've we got to get you ready. Jesus, in total 12-year-old boy fashion, answers her question. He says, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? Jesus says something to his parents that is just, he makes this incredible, radical claim. You know, in the Old Testament, individuals didn't talk about God, the God of Israel, the God who freed the nation from Egypt, uh, Yahweh. They didn't... Individuals didn't talk about God as like my personal heavenly father. I mean, maybe the prophet would talk about God as the father of the nation, but certainly you wouldn't claim that God is your personal father. And here Jesus tells his parents, didn't you know I needed to be in my father's house? It's a radical claim. It's so radical that in verse 50, it says they didn't understand what he was saying. What Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I am already as a 12-year-old with a preteen, adolescent brain, understanding that I am the unique son of God that I have a heavenly father. I have a relationship with my heavenly father that supersedes all family commitments. Verse 51 says, after he says these things, he goes with them down to Nazareth and is obedient to them. So at the same time, although he knows he has this personal connection with his heavenly father, he is still obedient to his mother and father. And the storyteller is sort of weaving in this, this idea that Jesus is absolutely understands that he is divine and he understands that he is also a child who needs to obey his parents. It's amazing. Luke closes, Luke closes the story by saying, But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and man. We just finished a series here at Lakeside called Kingdom and Creed, and we've been walking through, like, what are the core things that we believe as Christians? And one of the things we believe as Christians, it's like a central, it's like a core thing. All Christians, all times and places hold this truth, that Jesus Christ is absolutely the second member of the Trinity. He is God. And while he is God, he is absolutely a human. That he became a baby, that he became a child, that he became a teenager, and that he became a man. He is the God-man. He is God in the bod. It is, it is both are true simultaneously. It's, a, it's an incredible mystery, and the story is, is a foreshadowing of Jesus understanding this, that he is the divine son, that he has a unique relationship with his heavenly father. And the question for me and the question for us is, what does that have to do with us, right? Like what is, it's kind of a neat story. It's kind of funny. It kind of relates to Home Alone a little bit. But like, what does it have to do with you and me? What does it have to do with us? Does it have anything to do with us? I think it has everything to do with us. Because if you fast forward the tape, 18 years later, Jesus is in his 30s, and he begins his public ministry. And Jesus would go on to, to say that by, in so many words, he would say, if you come follow me, if you trust me, if you connect to me, if you, if you say yes to me, you can have access to God in a way thought previously impossible. I mean, think of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. When he's doing his most famous sermon, his disciples come to him and say, Teach us how to pray. We see you praying. How how, how do we pray? And Jesus' first thing he tells his disciples when you pray, say this say, Our Father in heaven. Our Father. He also says, Man, you worry so much. What will I eat? What will I drink? Where will I live? Then he makes this incredible claim. He says, your father in heaven knows your needs even before you ask him. And you think you're good parents. You give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is making the claim that because of who he is, we have access to God in a way that no one thought you could. In Luke chapter 18, verse 3, Jesus, the disciples were constantly like, who's the greatest, who's most important, who gets the first chair? And Jesus takes his child and puts it right in, front of, right in front of them and says this, he says, 18, verse 3, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like this, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Don't you see what those words mean? Unless you come and become like a little child, if, unless you enter into this father-child relationship with your heavenly father, you cannot enter the kingdom. The writers in the New Testament say this. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. First John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Galatians through 5 says, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Jesus, God's son, became a human son so that we can be sons and daughters of our Father in heaven. This little funny story is a foreshadowing of the invitation that your heavenly Father and my heavenly Father gives to us. He says, "Come to me. Enter into this relationship, this child-father relationship." This is, an, uh, this is um, an important weekend. It's literally, it's like the last weekend of 2019. It's the last weekend of the year, and uh, New Year is coming, and actually a new decade is coming, which is kind of cool. And I just think, like, the most important thing we could do, the most important thing we could decide as we enter into this new year is for us to say yes to our Heavenly Father. To Say yes to our Heavenly Father. I don't know what this new year looks like for you. I don't know what you're worried about. I don't know what you're dealing with in your family. I don't know what stress you feel. Um, You may be sitting here this morning, you're like, sounds great, Doug, but I feel like I am miles away from my heavenly father. You may feel like, you know what, maybe I messed up too bad this year. Maybe I, whatever. The invitation of the gospel, the invitation of Jesus is to come near to me, become like a little child. Enter into this relationship with your Heavenly Father who loves you. When we say yes to our Heavenly Father, when we we say yes to that relationship, there is a security and a stability that comes into our hearts and into our lives that no circumstance, no unknown thing that could happen in the new year could shake so that's my challenge this morning. That's my, I think the message of the story is that we have this invitation before us to say yes to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this story and for just how you came as a baby, as a child, and as a 12-year-old to show us the way to show us what it means to have a relationship with you, to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And God, may we say yes to that relationship. May you give us opportunities in this new year to prioritize that relationship, to invest with you. And Lord, to just stay close to you and to hear from you and experience your love. God, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen thanks for listening. Please visit us at lakesidechurch.com for more information on how to get connected to our church community. We hope to hear from you soon. Have a great week.